We must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support, and now for the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. And for this episode, F. Scott is writing solo, as Stephanie and I could not make it for this episode. But for this episode, F. Scott chatted with Mike Reinold and Lenny Macrina about baseball and topics associated with baseball and education. Now, if you're not aware of these two gentlemen, please check out the podcast show notes as their biographies and links to their stuff are provided. We apologize for the audio at times in this episode as there are some audio disturbances that we were unable to edit out. But without further ado, here is our interview with Mike Reinold and Lenny Macrina. Gentlemen, thank you both so much for your time today, um, for speaking to our listeners who are mainly comprised of healthcare providers and students, uh, predominantly in the realm of PT, but we are branching out more and more into all realms of healthcare. Uh, we're so excited to have you guys on, realizing that, you know, we kept your bios brief. Is there anything that you'd like our audience to know about you that we didn't mention in the intro? No, I think you guys captured it well. Just want to thank you guys for having us. So very, very uh, looking forward to doing this. Awesome. Guys, let's jump right into the nuts and bolts of today's topic of baseball injuries. What are the most common baseball injuries and what are the main reasons that a baseball player will develop an injury? Um, Yeah, I mean, it tends to be what we see is a lot of overuse, obviously. So when baseball players are throwing, inherently, it's bad for the shoulder and elbow. Um, You know, we're putting the shoulder and elbow in other joints and extremes of motion. So when you get to those extremes of motion and you don't have the ability to stabilize, you're fatigued, you, or you have poor diet or whatever, whatever the many factors could be involved, then something's got to give and we end up with tissue breakdown. So I think that's the big thing is the overuse component of uh, getting to extremes of motion. Yeah. I think sometimes we try to avoid um, talking about specific pathologies and, you know, what's most, uh, you know, prevalent in baseball players and just kind of say, you know, maybe it's maybe it's not the actual structural pathology that's actually causing the issues, but it's just all a spectrum of, of overuse and, and fatigue and, and just putting too much stress on the body from the act of throwing. Yeah, I love that take on it, Mike. Um, what are some of the biggest uh, and most common baseball rehab related myths that the evidence says just isn't true or isn't very relevant? Well, um, some of the myths are something, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there, but I think one of the things that, you know, we deal with a lot of, a lot of younger kids. So those younger kids uh, come to us with a lot of theories and a lot of concepts that they've been told by their coaches who are dads that are, have no coaching experience. So I think one of the big things that we see is like that a curveball is bad for you. 
Um, you know, there is some research that says that curveballs are not so bad. Uh, not, not that they're not bad, but they have the same amount of stress on the elbow as other pitches. So I think, you know, some of the one, another one myth would be that maybe just, um, monitoring volume, monitoring the type of pitches is not necessarily a bad thing, but more volume and when, how often the kid is throwing, you know? Yeah. And I would just say, I mean, in, in, in terms of myths and stuff, I just, I, I think there's a big discrepancy right now in, in the baseball world with, with, you know, what, what happens in real life versus what happens in the textbooks. And we always kind of say baseball players are pretty unique and pretty, uh, pretty, uh, uh, pretty much the anomalies in athletes, right? They, they do the most unique thing with their body. So, um, you know, I think some of the things that you would read in there in terms of like scapular dyskinesis and GERD and all those types of things. Um, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of things are mess out there. I'm not sure if we could just, you know, name the biggest ones. It's just more, you know, you have to understand, you know, what the act of throwing does to the body and then you have to understand you know what what's a normal adaptation so we always kind of tell everybody like step one is just realizing that uh, throwing a baseball is bad for you so um, nobody looks good right so you know i think about 10 years 15 years ago everybody kind of had this uh you know this this description of what injured baseball players look like and then you know over time you know there's very few people that work with both injured and healthy people then when you start working with healthy baseball players and you realize that all the healthy players look just like the injured players then you realize things like scapular position and GERD things like that probably aren't as relevant as we thought they were almost 20 years ago now I mean we were really really uh, focused on GERD and the concept of loss of internal rotation and you know the the people like myself and Lenny and Kevin Wilk and guys like that I mean we we're the people that are actually working with baseball players and, and we're the people trying to stand up and raise our hands and say uh, that doesn't really make sense that's not what happens in the real world of baseball but you know everybody and their brother thinks GERD's a problem and um, you know and, you know these these myths kind of get get out there so I think the biggest research breakthroughs of that is just continuing to understand you know what happens to the body normally from from the act of throwing so i think we're just we're we're monitoring the normal adaptations and trying to kind of figure out you know what becomes pathological and what doesn't i think the biggest thing you got to understand with a baseball player that stuff like slap tears and rotator cuff lesions and stuff like that are all probably secondary to the real issue that's going on but if you really look at the shoulder and overhead athlete you have somebody that has you know in, inherent instability just from probably some congenital laxity some acquired laxity that's you know from throwing all their life they just have this large range of motion so you know if you if you break it down in a nutshell Baseball players have really poor static stability. So I think, you know, for all of these pathologies and all of the rehab processes that we kind of go through, it's about, you know, enhancing their dynamic stability. And it's their ability for their cuff, their scap to stabilize and position the arm space. You know, I think these guys tend to get in trouble essentially because their loss of inherent static stability is kind of their underlying issue. That's kind of a normal adaptation for them, but you then have secondary loss of dynamic stabilization because they're either weak or they're fatigued or overused or whatever it may be. So I think the, you know, the biggest issue with these people isn't that you're treating impingement because I don't think impingement's their issue. That's like their end result, not their issue, right? So it's, it's more about treating the underlying cause and the loss of dynamic stability. Yeah, that's a great take on it. I mean, these are pretty young athletes. They're all relatively in shape. And yet, like you said, the dynamic and the static stability just isn't there sometimes. So I think that's a great way to, to really get to the root of the problem. There's a certain presentation, too, that these guys have, you know, like there's a the, the shoulder of a baseball player. 
player is completely different than most other sports. So if the listener has to understand that those characteristics cannot be applied to many other sports, you know, like, uh, for example, humoral retroversion, the changes that occur in a, in a shoulder when a kid is 12, 13, 14 years old affects his ability to throw long term. Meaning, can he can he get that external rotation adaptation from that hum- the bony chain, and how does that impact external rotation? How does that impact internal rotation? How does that impact flexion? Does he lose flexion? Uh, how about after throwing? Are there soft tissue changes that occur as well? And then are they maintaining those soft tissue changes throughout the throughout the length of a season or, or a year? So there's so many different things that Mike talked about, and then the, the specifics. Uh, underlying that is what's going to affect the athlete, you know. And so we, it's up to us to figure out what has changed, what's different in their in their presentation, and try to correct that based off of where they've been in the past. Yeah, that's a really great take on it. I appreciate your insight for that. Um, what have you guys found to be the most effective ways to teach the throwing athlete with regard to their throwing mechanic? I, I would say, as a physical therapist, I don't think we really we don't really you know. Uh, focus too much on their throwing mechanics. I mean, that's not our job. That's not our our wheelhouse or, you know, where we tend to focus. So what we'd rather do is collaborate with good pitching coaches that kind of understand some of the science behind the act of throwing and, um, you know, really can can have a a conversation with us and collaborate versus us trying to, you know, do something maybe, I don't know if I'd say outside the scope of our practice. I don't know if I'd say scope, but certainly outside our area of expertise. And I certainly wouldn't recommend a physical therapist to really be working with the kids mechanics i think that's in the long run i think that's that's not a path i would i would recommend you go down yeah i mean we do some basic stuff but otherwise you know we leave it to the pitching coaches it's almost like uh you know taking a a golfer and a a pt trying to work on a golfer's uh swing i think we just we kind of leave that to the golf coach and we deal with the physical aspects what can we do to improve uh their strength their range of motion uh things of that nature and then we will collaborate with the pitching coach to make sure that we're all on the same page work on rotational power lower body drive things of that nature and the pitching coach can take that yeah, I think you guys nailed it right there. Collaboration is the key. Stick, stick to our expertise, and we turn over to the coaching uh, staff for their expertise. Um, what is the best piece of advice that you guys would give to a new graduate uh, of PT school looking to start treating baseball players? I think just uh, just get embedded. Just uh, meet, meet people. Meet people that uh, you that you respect in the field, and try to collaborate. Try to work with them. Uh, read the research that's out there, but I think just getting your hands involved, getting your hands dirty, and just and, and, and getting with get, getting with a PT that is doing it uh, like us, a champion here in uh, in Boston, and just we see it on a day to day basis. Um, I think that's the only. It's just experience. It's just getting a ton of shoulders and elbows, feel feel them, feel the end range, and then uh, being able to figure out what's good and what's bad in a baseball player. Awesome, awesome. So what what resources, uh, whether it be books or classes, websites? Would you guys recommend to the new graduate or even the regular clinician who's looking to treat more baseball athletes, you know, who might be starting from scratch? Like, are are there any good uh, textbooks or anything out there that we need to go look into? I'd say probably the most prominent textbook is well out of date now, but there's a book called Injuries in Baseball, I believe, back in the day that... um, uh, Dr. Andrews and Kevin Wilk were part uh, editors on, but I think that's well past its prime. Um, textbooks are starting to fade a little bit in re- relevance just because it takes so long to get the information out there. But 
I'd say probably your your two biggest sources, what I would probably recommend you do is try to attend a conference. So the American Sports Medicine Institute or ASMI, which is Dr. Andrews' research foundation essentially, um, has an annual injuries in baseball course that happens in January. And I think that's probably your best bet to get the most information from, you know, people that actually work in baseball. Because a lot of people think they know what the, what, what baseball players look like and what to do, but they, they don't. Um, so you probably want to want to go learn from the best, and I, I'd recommend doing something like that. Uh, online version, you know, concepts of what to do is um, we have a new website called EliteBaseballPerformance.com. And essentially, what we wanted to do is we just kind of wanted to have like a cutting edge place where you know we could have trustworthy information. Because I think there's a lot of misinformation on the internet right now, and a lot of marketers trying to get their kind of their their programs or their their products uh, for sale, but. I think, um, you know, we need kind of a place with, with trustworthy information. So we started Elite Baseball Performance, and we actually even have an online version of the ASMI Injuries in Baseball course. So, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's probably a great great place to start. And, you know, in regards to DPC education, obviously we're not getting much as far as, you know, how to manage the baseball player. But how would you guys recommend maybe into some DPT programs? Would you have it as an elective or just kind of mention it in maybe one of the courses and weave it into the injury section? Or how do you think we could maybe better that situation? <laughs> well, I mean, I think we got to get better at teaching sports PT in general. So I don't know if I would niche it down to baseball just yet. Well, let's get good at ortho and sports. And then, you know, if you want to specialize in something, you probably have to do some postgraduate training. Yeah, I think it's a small, it would be a small component in a regular PT curriculum. And then students could, you know, figure out what we have clinical, uh, clinical uh, sites could they could go to to try to get some exposure to it. And I think that after that, you can try to specialize in, you know, a residency or a fellowship type program. But I think uh, searching out PT uh, clinics for an internship would be probably the best bet. I love it. I love it. Great advice, guys. Um, we like to wrap each show with this question uh, to every guest. If you guys could change one aspect of healthcare education, whether it's DPT or other healthcare provider related, which aspect would you change and how would you change it? Man, um, that's, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I just think PTs just being able to, uh, you know, communicate well with, uh, with the doctors and, and just getting that team collaboration and having doctors get on board with PTs. I think we do, we don't do a good job as PTs marketing ourselves and reaching out to other uh, disciplines. I just think everybody collaborating is only going to make it better for, for the patient and their experience and then just trying to get that patient better. So I think collaborating and getting uh, everybody on the same page, we're all over the place with protocols, we're all over the place with how we read research. If we even read research, some people don't. And I just think getting everybody on the same page is going to be critical for us to move forward and, and kind of take that next step forward as, as PTs. Well, guys, I can't thank you enough for your time and for coming on the show today. Um, Len, I love the accent, man, but I, I got to tell you guys, uh, you know, I'm from Long Island. I'm a Mets fan. So <laughs> Oof. if we can all stay healthy this year, we finally got a chance. Right. I feel like I've heard that before. I know. I know. Right. Well, guys, uh, where, can our, where can our audience find you online and on social media? Uh, I'm, all over, I'm all over the place. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, at LenMacPT. I'm on, I have my own website, uh, LennyMcCrena.com. People can go there as well. Um, I help Mike out with the Elite Baseball website. Um, so yeah, just, uh, I'm all over, all over social media. So LenMacPT. <laughs> I'm just MikeReynolds.com. You can find plenty from there and, and, uh, and plenty of ways to interact with us. So thanks again for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much guys. Appreciate it. 
Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, as we greatly appreciate your support to help us advance healthcare education. We are very happy to announce that we have created a new tool to help develop clinicians into better experts. With that being said, we have created the HET Light Tool, which LIGHT stands for Learning Integrated Towards Expertise. And what we've done is we've taken our first year's worth of episodes with experts in the fields of healthcare and education, and we've taken one golden nugget or theory on expertise and presented it to you in a very easily consumable format so that people can take one lesson or nugget per week and map out and plan how to incorporate it into your clinical and educational practices. And by the end of the year, we think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how far you've progressed towards becoming an expert. To find out more, please check it out at pteducator.com slash H-E-T, which is also available in our show notes. Thank you again all for your continued support. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.